we've had moments here in our youth group where we've done series on other things. Like we did an 11 week series on anxiety last year. Um, we we've done series on. Actually, I'm wearing I'm wearing that shirt right now. Um, we got merch. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, but you know, we've done series on other topics. We've done a series on the parables. We've done series on all sorts of stuff. But for whatever reason, this year I just felt like I would love to just for us to just learn the Bible. You know what I mean? I want us to fall in love with with this with the Scripture because here's the thing: my goal um, is in being your youth pastor is not that you would just bring your friends and that this youth group would grow. That'd be that'd be fun. That'd be great. That'd mean that we're growing the kingdom and more people are coming to Christ, and that's a good thing, right? But my goal is that each and every person that sits in the seats here would fall in love with Jesus so much so uh, that when they graduate high school, uh, they would keep following Jesus, right? That, that it would be a continual thing. And I really think the only way that happens is if you fall in love with this, right? Falling in love with the idea of Jesus and like moments uh, with Jesus are, are, are fine. It's cool, like, and, and it really sets your heart right, but, but until you fall in love with the practices of Jesus in the way that he wants us to go, and part of that is reading our Bible and, and in prayer and in worship, until we do that, we're not, we're not going to be Christians that are in it for the long run. You know what I mean? And so the purpose of reading this is because when you actually read it, and this, doing series like this is fun because I read it to you, but you'll find there's cool stories in it, and there's uh, ways for us to... Uh, Dive in. And here's the thing. When I first started as a youth pastor, this was five, almost five years ago. When I first started as a youth pastor, the statistic was that 50% of youth students, when they graduate high school, never come back to church. 50%. The statistic now, in five years, is 80%. 80%. So, here's the thing. Whatever us youth pastors have been doing for the last five years... It's not worked. <laughs> it's not working. I would say that our, here at Echo, our return rate's a little better than 20%. But, um, but at the same time, if it wasn't working, we got to switch it up. And so this is, we're switching it up. We're just going to learn. We're going to fall off the Bible uh, and what it says. And I'm not going to tickle your ears with stuff you want to hear. Uh, I'm going to uh, preach the word of God, and it's going to change your life. Sounds good? And, uh, and it'll be so good, it'll be so life-changing that you can't help but tell your friends. <laughs> okay, so we're in this series of Genesis. This is week five. A uh, little voice crack there, but it's okay. Um, we talked about the creation story, which is cool. Um, I just bought this book about whether science has debunked God or not, and so I'll let you know. Um, <laughs> it hasn't, so... Uh, Little, you know, there you go, let you in on the little secret. Uh, we talked about uh, creation. We talked about Adam and Eve in the, the, in the original sin. We talked about Cain and Abel. Uh, talk about a sibling rivalry, right? We talked about Noah uh, and the flood and all that. And so this week where there's a new topic, an interesting story. It's called the Tower of Babel. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of the story of the Tower of Babel. Cool. So for some this is going to be new. For some this is going to be something of you, you've heard. But I would... Venture to say, for a lot of us, this is not a story that we, like, spend a lot of time on in Sunday school. Or we spend a lot of time on in kids' church, or we spend a lot of time on at home, right? This is just something that, oh, I knew they build a tower to reach the heavens. They move on, they speak weird languages now. Okay, cool. But there's a lot more to it, and I want to talk about it, and we're going to, like it always does, this whole Old Testament 
Every, well, every book in this whole Bible, all 66 books, point to Jesus. And so, um, so we're going to do that. But before we do, let's, let's, let's do some backstory. Everybody say backstory. Backstory. Okay, so who, raise your hand in this room if you've ever, if you've never, sorry, I had a hard restart. Uh, my brain is broken. Um, everyone online is like, what is he doing? Okay, raise your hand if you've ever used the insult or called somebody a nimrod. Anybody ever done that? Raise your hand if you ever called anybody a nimrod. Raise your hand if you've heard of the term Nimrod or you've been called it. Oh, there it is. There's some baggage with it, right? I've got the Nimrods in the room. Okay, I'm just kidding. Okay, so uh, there was like three people who raised their hand that they said it and like 15 that said they've heard it. So I'm just saying. Okay, um, but it's okay. Um, you'll be able to flip this on its head the next time someone calls you a Nimrod. Why? Because check this out. Nimrod is the name of a descendant of Noah. Everybody say Noah. Okay, so Nimrod is a descendant of Noah, an actual person. So uh, that, that would kind of stink that you lived on earth thousands of years ago, and then people just use your name to call somebody like an idiot. Like, like oh my gosh, dude, you're such a Brett. That's crazy. Uh, that would be the worst, man. I find, if I'm in heaven and like 4,000 years from now people are calling people Brett to call me an idiot, I'm going to be mad. Either that or I'm going to be happy because this could be kind of funny. But... Uh, I feel like it'd feel a little bad. So Nimrod was someone, and, and this is chapter 10. We're kind of skipping through chapter 10 of Genesis, and we're going to focus on chapter 11. But Nimrod um, was a mighty hunter, right? This, Nimrod was like lions and tigers and bears and everything in between. Oh, my. But Nimrod was also like, he, he, he built cities, right? And two of, the, two of the most famous cities that he built. Uh, was this city called Babel, which later turns into Babylon. And then he built this city that we all know called Nineveh, right? And so we see a theme here. Nineveh is known for what? Being bad. Babylon is like the whole biblical symbolism of evil, <laughs> Uh, of the enemy, right? So Nimrod might actually be a Nimrod, right? I don't, I don't know, but... He also was a mighty hunter. So if someone calls you Nimrod, you'd be like, thanks, I'm like strong or whatever. But it used to be a term of endearment. Now it's not. But Nimrod started uh, or, or, or kind of built these cities, Babel and Nineveh and others. But we, we see a kind of a theme here, right? So Babel, which later turns into Babylon, uh, is kind of the symbol of evil. It turned into an empire that was oppressing the children of Israel. Um, and God eventually destroys Babylon. Babylon gets destroyed three times. <laughs> They keep coming back for more. Um, <laughs> it keeps knocking them down. Um, but Babylon was like the center, the capital of worldliness, right? Started with Babel by Nimrod, okay? So now we've got a little bit of backstory. There's this, there's this, uh, we know who's behind this whole thing. It's a Nimrod, okay? Um, so here's, here's what we go. We're going to read in verse 11. Um, not verse 11, chapter 11, verse 1 through 9, okay? If you got your Bibles, open it up, Genesis chapter 11, verse 1 through 9, and it's going to be a good one. We're going to get into this. I'm going to read the whole thing. Now the whole earth, everybody say the whole earth. Now the whole earth used the same language and the same words. Man, wouldn't that be cool that I could go on a, on a mission trip to Ecuador and know what everybody's saying, right? Like, you know, 
I did pretty good, though. Kevin was there. I did all right. But I go to a mission trip to China, and I know what they're saying, right? Like, imagine if the whole world spoke the same language. That's the way it was at this time. It came about as they journeyed east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. They said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used brick for stone and they used tar for mortar. And they said, come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven. And let us make for ourselves a name, otherwise we will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. So they wanted to build a tower that reached the heavens so they could make a name for themselves. All right, all right. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. The Lord said, Behold, they are open. <laughs> Not open. The, behold, they are one people, and they all have the same language. And this is what they began to do. And now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language so that they will not understand another speech. So God says, wait a second, they're building this tower. They're getting really powerful. They're all united in one language. All, everybody's clumped together, right? At the very beginning, we remember when, when, when God said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. And they clumped together in one spot and spoke the same language. And they're trying to build a tower to reach heaven. And so God says, well, let's, let's confuse their language so that they'll scatter. Right. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth, and they stopped building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of the whole earth. And from there, the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the whole earth. Okay, so that's the story. That's the story of Babel. We're going to dive into it, discuss what it means for today, and what, and kind of a slight differences on what we usually think it means what I thought it meant when I was a kid in Sunday school, and what it actually kind of points to, okay? Um, and, and then there's, there's three um, kind of things that we're going to learn from this. But the first thing I want to point out is that when I was a kid, I thought that the Tower of Babel was built so that they could get to heaven. Does that make sense? It, it's almost like, it, it's almost like a, they're trying to infiltrate, right? They're trying to build this tower so high that they could reach the heavens and like peek in the door Say, what's up, God? That's what I thought when I was a kid. I don't know if anybody else thought that, but that's what I thought. I thought they were trying to build this tower so high so that they would be heavenly, they would get up to heaven and be like God, like the original sin, right? It's all the same stuff. But here's actually what it is. The, the type of tower that the Tower of Babel would have been is uh, a tower called, I believe it's called a ziggurat. Um, and so the type of tower that a ziggurat is, is it's, it's more like a pyramid, okay? So it has a really wide base. It has three staircases, two going up like this, one going up like this. Then it has a, like a, a smaller center spot. And then it has a, a pointy top that can go, you know, however high you want it to. But at the pointy top, there's a room. And in the room, there's like a bed and a couple of candles at the, at the top of this tower. And so the idea is... When these, because these these towers were built not just by these this the people of Babel, right? It was built by every everyone back then in in these pagan cultures. The idea of these towers was not to get to God, but to get God to come to them. So they were trying to 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 make a room high enough where he could see it, comfortable enough where he'd sleep in it, and then welcome him into the 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 town. 
which seems like it's not a bad idea, right? We just sang a song that said, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. We're doing the same thing. So where did it go wrong? Here's the thing that went wrong. When you build a place or you set a place of that, that's sacred, if I'm going to create a space that's sacred, it should be for God's glory, not for mine. So what happened was they, they tried to invite God, they tried to restore Eden, but for their own glory, not for his. And just that slight thing was where it went wrong, right? They're trying to do this for, for, for their greatness, for their uh, well-being, okay? And so from this story, and it, and it kind of worked. God came down, but then he confused their language. It backfired. <laughs> and, and, and they stopped building it, stopped building the city, and they scattered all over the earth, right? Because um, they did it out of disobedience. So we're going to talk about three things. The first thing, and you'll notice that these things are really similar to things we've already talked about. Uh, because if you, the, what I'm realizing as I read the Bible is the original sin just keeps happening over and over and over and over and over again. It, it eventually breaks down to we want to be like God or better than God, and we do it in disobedience, and then our whole world comes crashing down, right? Over and over and over and over and over again. So the, the problem with Babel, number one, is disobedience, right? We read... Here in uh, verse 4, they said, Come and let us build for ourselves a city in the tower um, whose top will reach the heaven and let us make for ourselves a name. Otherwise, here's the why. If you say otherwise, they're, they're about to tell you the why, why they're doing it. Otherwise, we'll be scattered abroad over the face of the earth. So they said, let us build this tower, let us build this city, this epicenter, so that we're not scattered, so that we can stay here. Right? And so it's disobedience. Because God said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Does that make sense, everybody? They didn't want to follow God's instructions. They were clustering. Okay, so that's number one. Really quick. Number one is quick. Number two, they have the desire to be great. And not just the desire to be great for God's glory, the desire to be great for their own glory. They said, we're going to build this so that we can make a name for ourselves. But really, if you build a sacred place, you should be making a name for God, not for yourself. Amen? Luke, uh, and, and, and this goes on through the whole Bible, right? There's nothing, the Bible also says of this phrase, there's nothing new under the sun, right? And th this is true. It, it's just the same thing over and over and over again. And Luke uh, 22, 24, I'm not going to get there fast enough. In Luke 22, 24, we see this scene where the disciples are all gathered together, right? And Jesus walks in, and they're arguing amongst themselves, who's the greatest? These 12 disciples that just walked with Jesus for three years are now gathered together arguing about who's the greatest. It's the same thing that happened back with Adam and Eve. It's the same thing that happened with Cain and Abel. It's the same thing that happened, right, with the people in the age of Noah. It's the same thing that's happening with Babel. Who's the greatest? Who's going to be the greatest? Who's going to have the biggest name above everybody else, right? It's the same stuff. All of it points back to Adam and Eve. Disobedience and a desire to be great. Here's the interesting thing, though. And you, and you think that this would be rewarded. But they're really trying to recover what... They're trying to recover the relationship they had with God at the very beginning. They want to welcome God 
down to earth so that they could have a relationship with them, but they're so distorted, they're so uh, fallen in nature, uh, the, the humans at that time had so much sin running rampant in their lives that they did it for their own glory, not for his, right? The only reason I want to spend time with Jesus is because he's good, not because it makes me look better, <laughs> right? Or it's, at least that's how it should be. So God confuses, like the story says, God confuses their language and scatters them. But we see Jesus, uh, as, we, as we talked about in this series, Jesus reverses all this stuff, right? Uh, and all of these stories point to Jesus. We talked about in the creation story how it points to the rest that Jesus wants us to live from. We talked about in the fall how uh, they wanted to be like God and, and, and Christ, uh, Jesus points to that in, in wanting to be like him, like Christ's likeness. It's a good thing, right? We see with Noah that it's going to point to the end, end times. And here's, here's what we see here, that this is fulfilled in Jesus as well. There's a story in Acts 2. So if you have your Bibles, open it up to Acts 2 if you've got your phones. One of the most impactful chapters in the whole Bible, Acts chapter 2. And this is a different story. So we have the story of Babel where people are building a tower to make, the name, make a name for themselves. And God confuses their language and scatters them, right? And we see this story of Acts 2. I'm actually going to read, I'm going to read this portion of it because it's crazy, okay? So when the day of Pentecost had come, anybody ever heard of the word Pentecost? Raise your hand if you ever heard of the word Pentecost. Okay, we're going to learn something today. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house and they were, where they were sitting. And there appeared uh, to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each of them. Imagine like a tongue of fire on your head. Kind of weird, but the Bible's cool, so whatever. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. What? Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven, and when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, why are not, why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? I'm going to skip down. It says, we hear them in our own tongue speaking of the almighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? But then others were mocking them, saying they must be drunk of wine. This is cool. This is really cool. All right. So to paint the picture, all these people are gathered up in a room, Right? And, and, and the Holy Spirit comes, fills everybody. They start speaking all these languages. But imagine this, okay? So we're all here in, we're here at youth on a Wednesday night having a good time. And, uh, and the Holy Spirit comes and we start speaking all sorts of languages, right? You're, gonna, you're like, what's going on? But then imagine, like, there's people from China. There's people from Russia. There's people from South America. There's people from Iceland, right? Just walking outside. And they're like, wait a second. I know what they're saying. Some dude from Germany walks by, right, Niels. He walks by. No, I'm just kidding. He goes, I know what they're saying, right? 
And they all walk in, and we're all speaking stuff we don't even understand. We have no clue what we're saying. And all these people are walking around, and they're like, oh, I know what they're saying. And you know what they're saying? They're speaking of mighty works of God. So check this out. Acts 2, the day of Pentecost, completely reverses Babel, right? Babel, God scattered them. At Pentecost, they were gathered together. And from this, there was, there was it, it, the Bible says there were 3,000 people that came to God, Christ in that day, right? So they were scattered, but in act, at Pentecost, they were gathered together. God's presence departed from the, from the people at that time because of their sin in Babel. But here at Pentecost, they were being filled with the Holy Spirit. Right, God confused their language at Babel, but now they're speaking languages they don't understand, but everybody else does. That, part, that part's really important. So before, they, they, they were all speaking the same language, and then God confused them. They're still confused. Let's make that clear. The people who are speaking are still confused. They don't have, they don't know what they're saying. So it can't possibly be them. Right, so God is doing this so that he can preach the gospel through somebody and it won't go to their glory. Because everybody else that's walking around them is not confused. They know exactly what these people are saying, but the people who are preaching the gospel have no clue what they're saying. They're still confused. So it's almost as if God is saying, look, if you would have done it for my glory, this is how it would have looked. Right? And so he's saying, I'm still going to do it for my glory and not for yours and there's going to be nothing you could say that you brought 3,000 people. I literally did it on my own. You had no clue what you were saying. And then at the, at the Tower of Babel, it was for their glory. Right? And verse 11 says, we hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. First it was for their glory. Now it's for God's glory. Amen? So we learned something. This is the Tower of Babel. This is what it's all about. It's not about them trying to get up and infiltrate heaven. It's them trying to get God back to them but for their own glory. If we do anything, even if it seems good, if we do anything in disobedience to God, it's sinful. I've said this multiple times. In, in the world today, the, big, the, the hot word is love, Right? We all want to love. Everybody wants to love. Christians want to love folks. Non-Christians want to love folks. People on both sides of the political parties want to love folks. But here's the thing. It only works if you do it in obedience to God. It only works if you do it in obedience to God. Everything else we want to do, right? I want to, I want to be successful. My success is only good if it's for God's glory. Right? Whatever you want to do in life, I want to, you know, I want to be a, a, a good husband, a good dad. I want to be a good piano player. Whatever it is, everything I do, it's great. Only if I do it in obedience. So everything I do, I got to do it to God. I got to do it unto the Lord. Because they wanted God's presence, but they did it out of disobedience. And then we see what God, what God did because of that. So here's, here, so, so here's the take home, right? We see... We see we learned something today. We learned about Babel and how they're, they're trying to bring God to them but out of disobedience and how God reverses it at Pentecost. That's why Pentecost is such a beautiful story because God takes the confusion of the world and says, look, it, there's power in me to, to, to bring it all back together, right? We could be one kingdom. That's, that's the beauty of the kingdom of God is that it's, we're one voice again. We're together um, like we should have been in, in unison with God. But here's the take home for today is that we must 
desire in our lives for God to be great, not for us to be great. We have to. Everything that we do. Like, we could be consistent at school. We could be great. I want you to get, I want each and every one of you to get A's. I do. And B's are cool too. C's, we'll talk about it. I don't know. D's, no. F's, oh, good Lord. (laughs) We're going to have a, right? I want you to do good. But I don't want you to do good so that you can look at your neighbor and say, I'm smarter than you. I want you to do good because God made it possible for you to do good. And doing good in life points to God's glory, right? Imagine if God had a bunch of followers that got F's on all their tests. Right? When we put it that way, it's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Which he did. That's the story of Israel. It's God's followers getting F's on all their tests. (laughs) But I want you to do good for goodness sake, right? For God's glory. Check this out. Can I be vulnerable? I I went to school, uh, college, Vanguard University, just in Costa Mesa here. And uh, I went there for uh, three years, traditional undergrad, right? And then I got married, and then it kind of scattered off, and I kept going for a little bit, and then, uh, and then that's when I broke my leg. If you've known me for that long, um, that was right when around the time I became a youth pastor, uh, and um, stopped. And in the midst of that, there were some mistakes I made, right? And so I looked today because I just registered for my last class, which I had to wait long for because um, my uh, academic advisor uh, put me in the wrong classes. So if you're watching that, yeah, it's your fault, but I love you, okay? So um, she's not watching, but it's okay. If she is, then <laughs> what up? It's awkward. Okay. Um, but here, here's what happened. I was looking at my progress, right? I'm online. I can look at all the classes I've taken and everything. And I, was re- I had a moment today where I was really, really proud of myself, and here's why. There was a class back in 2018 that on my record forever, it says F. But just below it, it said um, replacement. I did it again, and this time I got an A. And I was really proud of myself. I did that just a couple months ago. And here's the thing. My last class that uh, I'm doing this summer in June was another one that I, I made some mistakes. I got an F on it. I, I uh, Yeah, I should have I been better. But here's what. It's going to happen. I'm going to give that class my everything. And if I can, I'm going to get an A-plus in that class. Why? Not because I want to brag about it. Not because I want to tell you how good I am. But because God didn't make me to do poorly. God didn't create me to be less than. God didn't create me. If I'm created in God's image, I'm worth something. Right? And I'm, I'm smart. You know? And I could do this. And, you know, and... And that's what you need to tell yourself. That when Danielle was in college, we used to have this conversation. She's like, I just can't do it that well. I'm not that smart. Right? And we used to talk about it all the time. I said, stop saying that. She'd get mad at me. She's like, she's like stop being so, like, Ugh. right? Because I'd be like, no, you're so smart. You're so smart. You know, I'd like yell at her. She's like, I'm not smart. Like, you're smart. Right? She's like, stop being so positive. It's annoying. Right? But you know what happened? Danielle's now working on her second bachelor's. What happened to not being smart? Right? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Right? And, it, and, and, and that scripture is not about just doing whatever I want. I, I, I do all things that's in the center of God's will. And I'm going to do them because he's going to give me strength to do it. Amen? Um, and so just remember that 
uh, you weren't created to be mediocre. You weren't created to be less than. You weren't created to be looked down on. You were created to bring glory to God. And that is great. Bring glory to God is great. It's not about being the best uh, basketball player or being the best uh, at Fortnite. It's especially not about that. Um, <laughs> um, anyways, we'll talk about that later. Uh, guys meeting afterwards. No, I'm just kidding. But it's about bringing glory to God, and that's great. Everybody in the Bible that you remember their name, they were really low on the totem pole but brought great glory to God. Uh, so let's do that as a youth group. Amen. Um, let's do it. Let's 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 be great for His glory. Let's do everything we can to get everybody here and bring glory to His name. Bring glory to His name on your campus. Bring glory to His name on, at, in your homes, and we're going to make a difference. Amen. Let's pray, and we're done. Jesus, we love you. Thank you uh, for today. We thank you for who you are. Thank you for stories like this that we can look back on and we can learn from. God, that even sometimes. Decent intentions done in disobedience can put us in a world of hurt. So, Lord, help us to seek your word, to do everything unto you with with good intentions and in obedience, Lord. So help us to dive into your word because it's all there. You tell us what to do. It's a roadmap that we could use. Uh, It says that it's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. So any any battle that comes uh, towards us, anything that um, is going to come against us, God, let, let us... Use the word of God to fight it off. And so thank you, Lord, for these students. Thank you for their hearts, how uh, willing they are to love you and and, uh, and cherish you. And so go with us this week. Lead us and guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.